Okay, so we're going to continue to talk about the topic of Mashiach that we started last week. Um, what I would like to do, I know this is what, you're, what you've all been waiting for, is to talk about a totally different angle on the topic of Mashiach, because last week we talked about the Rambam. It was a very Maimonidean approach to Mashiach, which is, you know, essentially very well known. The Rambam's view is to minimize any sort of su- supernatural elements in most things, you know, he tries to explain and account for things naturally and to minimize the amount of miracles and to limit the amount of violation of the laws of nature and so on. And so his explanation of Mashiach is really the way that I was explaining last week, uh, a kind of a social movement, you could say, which, has, you know, there's going to be a leader and there's going to be education and people's values are going to change and people's attitudes are going to change. And, uh, and from the change in values and the change in attitudes and the, and the increased education and awareness of God, just all of society is going to be transformed as a result of that. And that's why it says, that the, the, the redemption comes from the teshuvah of the Jewish people, that they have changed. And we talked about the example of, you know, let's say civil rights movement in America, I use as an example, just that, um, the idea that attitudes can be changed, but you need a leader, you need somebody to spearhead it and move it along and facilitate it, and that would be what the Mashiach is in the Rambam's view. The Mashiach is like the ultimate, what they used to call philosopher king. He's this great thinker and this great teacher, but also a person with the authority to implement certain initiatives and, uh, and implement policies, and, uh, and this is what the Mashiach is in the Rambam's view, and not anything... Not that the, not to rule out the possibility of anything supernatural, but not that all of a sudden the world is going to change, the laws of nature are going to change, everything's going to be miraculous, we're not going to, uh, you know, we won't have the same... Uh, he doesn't take literally, let's say, the prophecies that, uh, that the lion and the lamb will cuddle up together. He says that that means that, you know, very powerful nations and very meek nations that right now one dominates the other one. Instead, everything will be equal and fair and just and it will be a change in us. It will be a change in humanity, right? That's the way the Rambam uh, looks at it. Now, to be fair and honest, we have to look at all the different angles, right? So today we're going to, even though, you know, we have a reputation for being very Maimonidean around here and uh, lots of Rambam, but uh, there are other uh, perspectives as well. And the fact of the matter is we don't really know, do we? Because the Meshach didn't come yet. So, uh, you know, one day we'll look back and be like, wow, one of these people was definitely wrong, obviously, or maybe, you know, or one of the approaches was wrong, but right now we're looking ahead and we don't know. So the Ramban, Nachmanides, has a very different approach to the idea of Mashiach. Um, not, not that he thinks, not that he would disagree that the time of Mashiach will be a time of different values and different attitudes and, and that the, the culture will be different. Of course, he agrees with that, but the Ramban has a much more supernatural idea of what the messianic times would be like, okay? Not what the Mashiach is. I mean, he doesn't think the Mashiach is a divine being or a, you know, mag- anything magical or anything like that. He also believes that the Mashiach is a human being, but he believes that the redemption and the messianic times will be something supernatural. So whereas last time I was kind of saying, you know, we don't have to make all these assumptions that things are not going to be like the way that they are now and I'll never ever get a cold again and I'll never have a stomachache again because everything is just going to be perfect and all that. It's not going to be, 
like that according to the Rambam, but according to the Ramban, it's really going to be different. Things are going to be totally different. The laws of nature are going to change. That's what the Ramban says. Okay? And um, one of the issues that it revolves around, just to give you like a little bit of a background to it, is that the Gemara and the, the Talmud, which is the source of all of our fundamental halakha and our fundamental beliefs, uses a term, Olam Haba, the world to come. Olam Haba. Now, in general, when we talk about Olam Haba, we're usually thinking about, I think nowadays, we're usually thinking about like the spirit, spiritual world after a person passes away, right? Usually. But the word Olam Haba, especially in the Talmud, is what we call an equivocal term, meaning it has more than one meaning. Sometimes it's used to mean Olam Nishamot. Sometimes it's used to mean the world of the spirit and the soul where you go after 120 years. And sometimes it's used to mean Yimot HaMashiach. So because the term Olam Abba could be used in two ways, it could mean the world after this one, meaning the world of the Mashiach. Or it could mean the world after this one physically, meaning the spiritual world. So because there's an unclarity, so the Ramban kind of says, you know, a lot of the things that the Rambam thinks are referring to the spiritual world, actually it's referring to this world in the times of Mashiach because things are going to be different. So for example, I brought, I brought a bunch of books. Uh, the Ramban talks about it actually in last week's parasha when he talks about the Bachot and the Klalot in that section. Um, he mentions this also in, uh, in that context. He talks about it in a few places. Also the Ramban is a very, very famous book called Sharagmul. You might have heard of it. You might have seen it. Okay? I'm pretty sure that they've translated it into English. They've translated all the writings of the Ramban into English. Shavel, Rabbi Shavel, uh, translated a long, long time ago. I'm sure there's more modern translations now because that translation's got to be old by now. But um, the, the Ramban has a book called Sharagmul, which means the gate of reward, let's say. Right? And uh, where he talks about all of his beliefs about Olam Haba, Geinom, Yimot HaMashiach, all of these things from his perspective based on rabbinic tradition and based on Kabbalah because he also uses the Kabbalah in his explanations. Okay? So that, the, uh, that, that's the book where he talks about it the most. And interestingly, it's, he speaks about it. He has, he has a book called Torah Adam. It's a bigger book which talks about the halachot that also relate to mourning for someone who passes away. And then kind of like at the end of that, he says after death, there's another life, there's Olam Aban. So he gets into Olam Aban. He talks about Yimana Mashiach. But people take just the section Sharag Mul that talks about uh, reward and punishments, you could say, or you know, the future world, and they, they, they separated that out into a separate book. So you can sometimes find Sharag Mul of the Ramban uh, as a separate book if you're interested in all of his sources and everything. And he explicitly there will be like, you know, the Rambam said this and I disagree. And you can see how he frames the disagreement. Of course, he got to have the last word because the Rambam was already dead. You know, so he, the Rambam didn't have the chance to respond, but people afterwards did come along and say, well, actually, that's a good question, but here's a possible response or here's a possible resolution to that question. So there were commentaries that followed the Rambam's school of thought after the Ramban and came back and sort of said, very good question, but here's what the Rambam might say to that and so on. Um, but the Rambam himself didn't have the opportunity, obviously, to, uh, to respond. Um, in, in last week's parasha, the Ramban uh, does talk about his idea of Olam Haba, 
meaning in this world. And, um, ah, uh, hey, wow, I turned right to it. That's pretty good luck. Because he talks about how the idea of the Shemitah, the counting of the seven cycles of seven, of the Shemitah and then the Yovel, is also representative of like the idea of this world versus Olam Haba. Now you can interpret that in one of two ways. You could say it means the physical world and the spiritual world. Or you could say it means Olam Hazeh, meaning this world, the pre-Messianic world, and Olam Haba means the Messianic world. Now, where do we see that, by the way, in something that we read, that we see that use of olam hazeh, meaning pre-Messianic, pre-Mashiach? I'm not just making up that that's sometimes the case. In the Haggadah, because it says, kol yemei chayecha, right? Yemei chayecha olam hazeh. Kol yemei chayecha le'avi limot ha-Mashiach. Meaning, you have, to, you have to mention Yitziat Mitzrayim, not only in this world, but even in Yimot HaMashiach. It doesn't mean in Olam Haba, in heaven, so to speak. It means in the times of Mashiach. So you see, Olam Hazeh sometimes refers to pre-Mashiach. That's what the Ramban makes a big deal out of. So the Ramban in last week's parasha says that in the future, uh, he talks about how the world will be like before Chet Oshel Adam Rishon. That's his idea, meaning the, uh, that the world was ruined by the sin of Adam Rishon and Chava, and the world will be restored to what it was before. And then he takes the psukim, like a child will play by, uh, by the serpent's you know, lair, and the, you know, the, the beast of prey will hang out together with, the, uh, with, the, with what's normally its lunch, but they'll become friends, you know, the sheep and the, and the lion and all that. They're going to become friends. He's taking it literally, he says that all this thing of animals eating each other, that only happened because of the sin of Adam Rishon that they brought this like violence and, uh, and discord into nature. But in the future it won't be like that. And he says, and guess what else? You're not going to have any more any uh, eating of animals anymore. Because what does he say? He says, everything is going to be ala teva Rishon. It's going to be like the original creation of mankind pure without any you know any of the defects that came later so we're not going to eat animals anymore we're all going to be vegan huh and the Ramban actually says that the Yetzirah is going to be gone so you will naturally he doesn't call it no free will he talks about it in uh, he talks about it in um, Sefer Dvarim not here. One second. I can remember where he talks about it. That's the question. But he talks about it and says, or is it that he says it? Um, he says that there's not going to be any more Yetzirah. Everything is going to be inter- naturally, automatically, you're just going to choose the good. That's what the Ramban says. So, Meaning that there's going to be a change in human nature. There's going to be a change in the physical nature, and there's going to be a change in human nature at the uh, in the Yimot Hamashiach. So, what does that show you? It shows you that, in a way, so just to think about and process that for a second. Actually, now that I'm mentioning it as I'm talking, it's making me think of something interesting. Um, 
what does that show you about the Ramban's view of human beings' place in the world versus a Rambam? It actually does, it's, it's, it's very interesting because it, it points to a difference in the way that they see the place of a human being in the world, right? Because the Ramban is saying that human beings' sin is responsible for even the things in nature that are out of whack, like animals eating each other. And a, a fixing of human beings will put the entire nature back into harmony again. The Rambam doesn't really believe that. The Rambam is saying that nature is going to stay the same. The thing that is out of whack is just people. People have to be fixed. But not that they're going to, there's going to be a new natural order. The Ramban sees everything as interconnected. There's going to be a new natural order. People are not going to desire bad things anymore. They're naturally going to desire what's good. Because they're not going to have in their nature a Yetzirah. Because according to the Ramban, the, the sin of Adam and Chava was... Uh, when they when they made the bad choice in the time of uh, in Breshit was that they brought into themselves the Yitzhara. It wasn't there before. Okay? Now it's in them. Okay? And it could be taken out again. And we could be purified again. Okay? So the Ramban he has this idea that we are, our nature is going to be changed and as an extension all of nature is going to be changed in the times of Mashiach. Okay? And the, uh, this connects to another thing that the Rambam says, which is that, again, the Rambam, everyone agrees there's such a thing as metim, that in the future, the righteous people, they're going to be resurrected from the dead. Right? The, the tzaddikim, they're going to come back. And here you have, an, even the Rambam, who's, you know, generally minimizes the number of miracles, he says, no, there's going to be metim, and the dead are going to live again. But the only thing is that they're going to die again. That's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, yeah, they get to come back, but not forever because why, they, w- they won't want to live forever because the state of the soul is much better in Olam Baba in the spiritual world. They're going to want to go back to the spiritual world. They're not going to want to stay in the physical world, but it's not the, it, basically so that they can see. You know, Think of all the generations of righteous people that they prayed to see the times of Mashiach and they never got to. They never got to experience it. They never got to see what it was like or be a part of it or help, you know, help orchestrate it or anything. They didn't get to be a part of that even though they lived and died as great people, but they weren't, they didn't have the zechut. It's not fair, you know. So they're going to come back for that, but then they get to go back to Olam Haba and rest again. You know, to the ultimate state of the soul is an Olam Haba and the spiritual Olam Haba, the Rambam says. So they're going to die again. The Ramban says, no, 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 that's not how it works. The people are going to come back and then they get to live forever. Because remember, another thing that happened as a result of the Chet of Adam Rishon and Chaba was death came to the world, right? Because they were told the day that you eat from the fruit, you're going to die. Meaning, not that they died that day, but meaning that death came into the world, became a reality. So the Ramban also says that once, uh, once the... Um, the uh, happens, people are not going to die again. But they're also not going to reproduce again. Meaning it's going to be finished. Right? The, bo- the body is going to be here, but only like to serve the soul. Not to reproduce or be involved in any of the lower activities that currently you might associate with it. 
Okay? So he interprets like all the things that the Ramban says about, I mean, about the Rambam says about, you know, Olam Abba, that the people are going to sit with crowns on their heads and there's not going to be any, uh, any sec- reproduction and there's not going to be eating and drinking and so on and so forth. He says, that's going to be in this world. And the animals won't even eat each other. I guess they're going to still eat because they're going to still reproduce. But the human beings, they won't have to eat and they won't have to reproduce because they're just going to live forever as it is. They don't need to, meaning if you're immortal, you don't have to eat either. Right? Because that would make you mortal if you had to eat to survive. Right? So there's not going to be any more preying of animals on animals and that's going to be eating or drinking. Just being like a purely spiritual, eternal existence, but on earth. It sounds interesting. So obviously that would require a lot of nature to change, right? That would be like a miraculous new order of nature. And, but that's what the Ramban thinks is going to happen in the times of Mashiach. In other words, everything that the Rambam would say happens in the spiritual dimension, the Ramban would say happens here. Because they have a very different idea of the relationship between the body and the soul. The Rambam says... The body is part of this world. It's part of the physical world. It's part of the animal world. Okay? If anything, a lot of times it holds you back from spiritual attainments, the body. Okay? Better be rid of it in the end. And then you get to go to Olam Haba. That's the Rambam's view. Ramban says, no. The only problem with the body is that it got messed up by Adam and Chava. And it got out of sync with the soul. But actually, the body and the soul, when they're together, that's the best. If only they could be together forever and work together, that would be the best. And better than spiritual Olam Baba. And so therefore the Ramban says, once there's Yitchiyatametim, all the bad people will die, all the good people who are already here will live forever, and then everyone who comes back will also live forever, and it will be happily ever after. But there's not going to be any new people, obviously, because there's not going to be any more reproduction, right? So you won't be able to add anybody, so you won't have the issue, one of the major issues of of the idea of immortality, which is overpopulation, yeah, because it would be impossible, right? Like it says, <clears throat> one of the Midrashim says, Hashem saw everything he made, tov me'od. it was very good. And so one of the Midrashim says that this was talking about death is good. What do you mean death is good? How you be? Oh, because obviously, even something that we think is bad, if there wasn't death, then there wouldn't be able to be life because there would be too many people, be overcrowding. So even for the physical world, you know, if you look at whenever they, even in the animal kingdom, whenever they try to intervene, right, and like remove a species from an ecosystem, because they're like, oh, it's bad to have alligators here. We're going to remove the alligators. Okay, we're going to get rid of this or that particular, uh, you know, animal. So everything is in a balance. So certain animals are eating other animals and those animals are eating other ones and they're all kind of controlling each other's population. They're feeding whoever's higher than them on the food chain and they're controlling the population of whoever's lower than them on the, on the food chain. You take one link out, you don't realize how many different things are actually affecting because now all of a sudden you get rid of one type of animal and you have an over explosion of population of whatever was eating, was being eaten, I should say, by the animal that you took away. Right? This happens, uh, this happens in, whenever they try to mess with any of these ecosystems, it always happens. And then they end up having too many of something else. And they didn't realize that they were going to have too many of something else. Like when they, you know, in, in Israel, there's nothing that eats cats. 
right? But the cats are actually there to eat rats, right? So like, they work pretty, they, they do a great job. Because I know, you, mice you see, but you don't see rats. And then you, and then my, and then cats, however, nothing eats them, so they just keep multiplying and multiplying, multiplying. If they brought some dogs, then it would get interesting. I don't know what, but the dogs don't really eat cats, but I don't know what does eat cats. But, um, what? Maybe foxes, yeah. Maybe foxes, maybe some snakes, but I don't, I don't really want those. Yeah, so... Um, but, th- but that's the thing. Sometimes they'll get rid of these like sort of species that people consider scary or a nuisance like snakes or different kinds of reptiles that they don't want around, but they don't realize they're actually controlling a population of something else and then it explodes in the population and starts suffocating other species that were living there that or eating too much of whatever resource was there that, you know, even human beings are not able to... Uh, you know, benefit from uh, from the environment as much because of this explosion of species. So, you know, the the idea of, of eating and, and, and prey is good in a situation where uh, you need a balance, right? Where you need a balance. So in nature, I guess, according to the Ramban, everything would work out that, you know, the animals didn't have to prey on each other in order to keep the balance. How that would work, that would be up to Hashem to figure out. But the main point is that according to the Ramban, the Messianic times really would be a different time. Okay, according to the Rambam, like we talked about last time, you will basically still be whoever you are. Right? You'll still be whoever you are with the same nature, the same Yetzaran, Yetzaratov, the same intellect, the same whatever. However, the education and the culture will be at such a high level that people will be on the right path. Okay? Naturally, without any divine intervention. The Ramban is saying that God is actually going to change the nature of people. They're not going to have a Yetzara anymore. Only going to choose the good and have a Yetzara Tov. Because it's going to go back to like as if Adam and Chava never made the original sin in Gan Eden. <clears throat> well, he, he would say that um, free will, when you... It's, well, look at it this way in a situation where every time you go to 7-Eleven, right? Well, if you ever go, you have free will, you could steal a candy bar. You could steal it. But you never would think of stealing a candy bar because that's not how you were raised, right? You never would think of it. So like, do you have free will to steal the candy bar? Well, you know, kind of, you do, but it doesn't, it's not a struggle, right? Naturally, you choose the good. Naturally, you choose not to steal the candy bar. I'm assuming, right? I'm assuming about everyone here, nobody stole a candy bar, right? So like when you're younger, you might say, oh, I'll take this or I'll sneak that. When you get older, you realize, oh, that's wrong. You're not going to do that, right? So like this is what like Rav Dessler, when he talks about in, in Mikhtav Meliahu, it's called Strive for Truth in English, he talks about this idea of nikudata b'chira, the level, like the point of your choice, meaning everyone's at a different level, in terms of what is a struggle for them and what is easy for them. So for one person, for most of us, I assume, again, I'm just assuming a baseline here, no matter how angry you were at somebody, you didn't actually have to stop yourself from killing them, right? You might say, oh my God, I wanted to kill him, but you're not speaking literally, right? Now, or, you know, you don't really struggle with stealing, let's say. I'm giving him, now a person at a little bit higher level, let's say they 
that, let's say they, you know, they, they grew up eating non-kosher. Okay? If a person grew up always kosher their whole life, they don't see bacon and say, oh my God, I cannot, I, I just, I want to go and I have to overcome my desire for that bacon. They don't think about it. They don't even think about it. They walk right by and it doesn't come up in their mind. But a person, let's say, who grew up eating it and then they became religious and they stopped eating certain things and now maybe it's hard for them when they go by that they feel a temptation. That they're not, it's not so easy for them. Right? Eventually they reach a level, maybe, hopefully, where it's not a, it, their, their point of choice. They're nikudata b'chirazayir and they're not thinking about that anymore. Everyone's struggling at a, at a, different, a different point, right? So the idea is, do you still have free choice to steal the candy bar? Every time you walk by lobster, you have free choice to eat it. But you're not even thinking about it because your focus is on, you know, in, in a different direction. Okay? So that's the, um, what you're struggling with is where you, you really experience like your Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov and you have, to, you have to overcome your Yetzirah. But what you're not feeling conflict about, like let's say a person became Shomer Shabbat. They became Shomer Shabbat. They weren't before and they became. So it's a challenge for them to, let's say they have a hard time. You know, it's very difficult for them. And sometimes they lapse or they have to struggle with it. Okay, everyone is at a different point in their growth. Okay? Now in a... Um, if for another person, it could be something like, I, I don't learn Torah, or I don't learn enough, or I could go to a shiur and I chose instead to watch um, a television, or whatever. Everyone is in a different, uh, different point. So what the Rambam and the Ramban basically agree on, which is interesting, is that things will be different in Yimod HaMashiach in terms of people's choice. People will be choosing right. Who will be choosing right? The question is, why will they be choosing right? Okay? The Rambam is saying, very simply, because if you educate people to a certain point, they don't struggle with those things anymore. They're going to see, obviously the best thing to do with my time is to learn Torah. Why do I even have to think about it? Okay? Why, is it even a, why is it even a question? Okay? That's like the story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Everyone knows that we just had Lag Baomer not long ago. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai comes out of the cave with his son. Everyone knows the story, right? He comes out of the cave with his son. He's, he has heat vision. He's burning everything. Right? They were learning to walk for 12 years nonstop. They were, in the, they were in the dirt. And they come out and they're burning stuff. And then Hashem sends them back for another year into the cave. And then they come out again. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, his son is still burning things. He still has heat vision. But Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is like restoring everything that his son burns. Right? Everyone knows the story. And then they see the guy who's a, who has the who has the thing for Shabbat, he has the Hadassim, the myrtle branch, and they ask him, oh, what is it for? Oh, to honor Shabbat, and say, wow, you know. That's, that's the story. I'm giving a very, very uh, quick version of the story. But when they first came out of the uh, cave and they were burning everything up, they were saying, how can they put aside Chaye Olam? How can they put aside the eternal life, the Oskim B'Chaye Sha'a, and they're involved in the temporal life? How could they do that? Meaning, be, from their, their vantage point spiritually, how could anybody not learn Torah with every second of their time? How could they do it? What's wrong with these people? It's so obvious that the Torah is the only eternal thing. Why are you wasting your time on something that you're here today, gone tomorrow? What's the point? How stupid are you? That was their mentality. Right? So they were, they were from that vantage point, they were judging them. Meaning their level of choice was that it's obvious that a person should spend every possible minute serving Hashem and everything else is not important. 
Right? But an average person isn't up to that level. And when they came out of the cave the second time, the sun was still very, very extreme, right? Because young people, they're usually more, more like that. I noticed that with rabbis too. The young rabbis, they're usually much more like, yes, it has to be, it's very black and white. And, it, it, um, you know? and then when the old rabbis are always like, it's okay, don't worry, this way's all right, that way's okay. The older rabbis, no matter how like, knowledgeable, probably the more knowledgeable are, the more, more chill they are, right? The, the, the older rabbis who have the most experience and the most knowledge are always the most flexible ones who are like, oh, it's okay, we'll find a solution, they always find a solution. The younger rabbis are like, it's black and white, it's written in the book, right? So that's, that's what it's trying to show you. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's son was like, it's still very black and white, how can you be doing this? And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is like, wait a second, this Jew, he's honoring Shabbat. You have to see the good. This person still prayed this morning. This person still put on tefillin. He's going to honor Shabbat. He's doing beautiful things. You have to stay, you know, everyone is on their own trajectory. This is his, this is his or her, you know, level right now. It's good. They're building up. It's like a much more grounded perspective, right? That's the whole idea of why we celebrate Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai. Right, that versus the, the, the students of Rabbi Akiva who were disrespectful of each other because they thought they were, each one was you know, holier than thou and each one was so great. And how can you, you know, and so the, the whole lesson of Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai, why we end the Omer morning with Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai is because it's teaching you the idea of how you really should view. You shouldn't say the Torah makes me superior to you. The Torah should make you a person who can see the good in the other person. Then it's good Torah. If it's a Torah makes you feel superior to the other person, you have to start over. That's what Rabbi Akiva students, they all thought the Torah makes me better than everyone else. That doesn't work. If the Torah teaches you really, it should teach you to be able to find what's good, even in the person who seems like they're not that good on the surface, from your very, very high vantage point, the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, right? Still, you should be able to see the good, and the average person, the simple person who does a little mitzvah, sees the good, okay? That's the idea of that story. That's why we celebrate Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai as contrast to the students of Rabbi Akiva. But the reason why I mentioned it was just the idea of choice, meaning something that's very, the Rambam is saying that from education, people can see clearly that this is the right way to go. All of the distractions, all of the things that are trying to pull us in, you know, into the materialism, into superficiality, into pursuit of honor, pursuit of pleasure, all the things. People will see it's so silly, it's so dumb. One thing that education doesn't do outside of religious education is it doesn't teach values. It's value neutral. It's not really value neutral. But it, it's, it's not, it doesn't teach you any higher values. It only works within the values that are physical material values, meaning it can teach you, it, it, it's, all of secular education is based on the self-evident good, which is material things, having a job, psychological health, which means you can function in the world and have a job and have a family and have good relationships. That's, that's, that's the happiness that secular world offers you. Okay? That's what all movies are about and all, and all music is about, these kinds of interests and concerns and, and sometimes about how sad you are that you didn't get them. But it uh, depends on the song or the movie. Okay? But it's all in that realm. Nobody sang any songs about how, how they couldn't understand a very difficult passage of the Chumash. Nobody... So maybe, I mean, there probably somebody did sing a song about that, but it didn't make it to like the top 10 or anything like that, right? So the, the idea is that these are the values that our society pushes on us. 
And if you are a person who believes there's some higher value than that, oh, you're either a nerd or you're out of touch or you're whatever. You're not, you know, you're not with it. So if you could explain to, like if I tell, if a person sees you studying Torah and, they, and you say to them, oh, I'm studying because uh, I, I have a job and I ha- I'm a rabbi and I have to teach. Oh, okay, that's okay. I say, I'm studying because I just want to understand things. Well, that's, that's, that's weird. That actually happened to me one time. I took a class in college. This was a long time ago. Okay? I took calculus, I think. I don't remember. Calculus or something. And um, I had already taken, whatever it was, I had already taken it in high school. Okay, so I didn't have to have the credit. So the teacher came over to me and said, why are you in this class? You already have this credit. You don't need this class. And I said, well, you know, innocent me, you know, thinking the teacher would get it, you know, I guess. I was like, I was like, well, you know, I didn't really understand it so well in high school. And I want to actually understand it. You know, so I took the course again in college because I want to understand it. She's like, you're weird. <laughs> she literally, she's like, you're weird. What's, what's wrong with you? I'm like, okay. So uh, meanwhile, there was, a, there was a lady in one of my classes. I think it was my physics class. I don't remember. Some science or math class. And I, I you know, I didn't, I, I remember she was auditing the class. Okay. And she wasn't like, retirement age she was like but she was not a college age right and so she was on in the class and she said this is my treat to myself i just i enjoy learning things and this i love this she just took it to do that and i'm like wow that's pretty cool like to me that's cool that means a person has like a goal besides the physical material thing they don't need it for their job they don't need the credit to graduate they don't need that they're doing it because they want to learn something that's to me that's cool that means they have a higher purpose in their life, something different than the average person. You know, so like that's not really taught in our society. Well, and she had free time. Well, she, I think she had like a busy household and like her husband, she had like some, like you come to a shiur or, you know, the, the ladies here, they have kids at home and they are able to come and, you know, they, they have work out a deal with uh, other people who are watching their kids and things like that. It's, it's a luxury, but, you know, you have, to, you have to make a trade-off. You know, there's other things they could be doing instead. And it's a, it, it shows a priority that's very good. But in, in, that, in our society, the idea that there is a, a love of knowledge for its own sake, understanding for its own sake, that's for certain, like, you'll read quotes from some, somebody, some inspiring quote about that. But bottom line, most people don't live like that. Most people want to know Tachlis, what's in it for me? What's the practical benefit of it? And that's it. Only practical benefit. Right? And that's why... Well, th- th- that takes us in a whole other direction. But I just want to... W- rather than get veer off in a whole other direction, just to say, once you have correct values in a society, people's point of choice changes. Meaning, now you feel very weird saying, I'm making this choice and I cannot explain this choice in any practical way, it's a weird thing. It's based on my observance of Shabbat. It's based on my honor of God. It's based on my love of learning Torah. Anything like that, a person will be like, that's weird. Why, why are you making a decision based on any of those things? It doesn't make sense. Say, oh, it's based on uh, practically my job, practically my family's needs, practically this, practically that, financial, social. Oh, okay, I can, I can understand that. And it makes sense, right? That's the framework. If you change the framework, 
where people understand these higher values, how desirable they are, so then people's choice will also change. Meaning people's point of choice will be like, oh, what makes it? You're choosing not to devote your life to serving God? That's weird. Could you imagine a society like that? It would be the opposite of what it is today. Today, anybody who makes actual life choices based on a higher value where they make sacrifices is a fanatic or they're weird or whatever. Right? If, you're, if you're making choices based on something practical, then it's understandable. Because practical things, that's why chukim, they say the, the, the Gentiles can't understand the chukim. They can only understand the mishpatim. Mishpatim are the laws that govern practical things. Everybody can understand that. But a chok is always a mitzvah that is pointing you to something higher. It's something not, that doesn't make any sense in practical terms. It only makes sense in spiritual terms or what it teaches you, some deeper lesson or idea beyond the physical, beyond the practical. That they can't understand. The, gen, the nations of the world can't understand. Okay? That's what the chukim are. So in the same way, in a society where it says in the Torah, what will the nation say about the Jewish people? They will hear these chukim and say, the Rambam says, based on that, you see, that there's such wisdom in the chukim, meaning when the nations of the world see, wow, a nation that lives for a purpose, not for territory, not for money, not for glory, not for any of those things, for higher things, that's an amazing nation. And in that culture, what's cool, what beca- that's why your social setting is so important, right? Because if you hang out with people that it's cool to do bad things, you're always going to want to fit in with them. Imagine being in a culture where what's cool to do is holy things. Wow. Now you're in a totally different kind of... The Rambam says that's what the times of Mashiach are. Okay? A new cultural revolution. The Ramban is saying Hashem is actually going to transform your nature from within. That you're attracted naturally to the good and you lose the attraction to the bad. It's a change within. Not just a change of culture, although that also will happen, obviously. But... It, it's a change of your nature. You're going to become like Adam before the sin, which means you're going to be immortal. You're going to be without any attraction to the material things for their own sake. You're going to be naturally drawn to the spiritual and to the truly good. Okay? The, 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 the outcome practically is very similar. In both cases, you're going to see a world where people are serving God wholeheartedly with no other conflict and no other pursuits. But... According to the Rambam, it's going to be because of a cultural revolution. And according to the Rambam, it's going to be because, the, because nature actually changed. Our nature and the nature of the world around us is going to shift to become the way that it was prior to the sin of Adam and Chava, that things are going to be so clear in and of themselves that we're just going to automatically only be drawn, just like you wouldn't be drawn to sticking your hand into a burning flame, you won't be drawn to do any sin that would take you away from God. That's how the Ramban uh, understands it. Yes. But you really want to have it?
Right. Yeah, so the Ramban talks about that too. He says basically, we you don't most of the mitzvot won't many or most of the mitzvot won't be won't apply anymore, right? Because because a lot of them are just there to control the yitzharan to deal with all of these things. If you're living on a different plane of existence, so what becomes the purpose? The purpose becomes greater and greater understanding of God, which is infinite. So since you can have greater and greater understanding of God, expanding your spirit, like strengthening that spiritual bond with God through your understanding, that's an infinite process. There's an infinite amount that you can invest in that. So that's what it will be. It will be only a positive experience of religion without the conflict. And you'll just have an unending experience, just like in Olam Haba, what's the point? Once you're dead and your soul is, according to the Rambam, that your soul stays in Olam Haba forever. So what's the point of that? The point of that is that the experience of you know, of uh, having that connection with God is fu- is fulfilling. Is that that is the ultimate fulfillment? So in this world, having an eternal experience of constantly being able to understand more and more deeply God's wisdom and connect more deeply that would be the that would be the goal. Instead of having to worry about fighting against the alternative, you would just be able to invest yourself in the good. You know, or like there used to be this there used to be this funny saying that. Um, that Olam Abba and Geinom is the same place. Right? It was a, it's a funny, le- they say, it's like a, not a real Midrash, but, the, it said, but they would say that, um, that heaven and hell are the same place. It's an, it's an eternal shi'ur by Moshe Rabbeinu. So for the tzaddik, it's heaven. And for the rasha, it's hell. Right? So that in, in a way, that's what it is. Meaning like the, if you really desire that closeness to God and you want to just, so much of what holds us back is just we're so bogged down with other things. And if we didn't have that, how much more we could grow? That's the idea that, that you say. It's not about overcoming the Yitzhara. Overcoming the Yitzhara is a means to an end. You know, the end is still the closeness to God that you get. Was there somebody? Yeah. Huh? It doesn't sound like you not have a choice. It's just like people, like being close to God sounds appealing, but just like being in a state of like Um, yeah, I hear that it sounds like that to us, but um, I think you have to think of it more that imagine you're really, really passionate about something you're doing in your life, right? So you don't have, let's say you love what you do. Let's say you have a job and you do amazing work and you love what you do. And every single day you just get up and you're like excited to be alive and excited to do it. You never think to yourself, oh my God, I have to get up tomorrow morning. I can't deal with this and I don't want to do this. And I want That's what they mean by not having a choice. Meaning you're, you're going to be choosing the positive and you're not going to have to have that resistance of, oh, I do want to go to the shiur, but do I really want to go? I could, I'm already in my pajamas and I could sit back and you know, not go and have that conflict. Right? This would be like you're passionate about it. It doesn't mean no choice, meaning you're a robot. No choice means that you're, you have a positive passion for what you're doing without the conflict. So, so you conflict. Yeah, because the conflict isn't actually pleasant. Meaning if you're excited to come, let's say somebody loves to pray. Some people, they like to pray, right? So like they're excited to come to pray or they like slichot. Some people love coming to slichot even though it's, it's long, right? They like it, they enjoy it. It's like meaningful. So a lot of times Ashkenazi people right? 
they're like, oh, you have 30 days, 40 days of Selichot, I feel bad for you, you have 30 days of Selichot. Yeah, if we had 30 days of Ashkenazi Selichot, I'd also feel bad for us. Because their Selichot are very boring. But our Selichot are singing, and we like to come to Selichot, right? So that kind of like feeling that we enjoy it and we're drawn to it, so we don't say, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Like, that's what, that's what they mean. When they say no yetzara, they mean you don't have to fight against that resistance because you'll just be passionate about it. You'll be excited about it and, and raring to go. So it's not a negative thing. You want to have the conflict? What? You yeah, want to... I just love you like the challenge? I don't want to Well, maybe the Ramban is not right and it will just be a natural world and you won't have to worry about that. But uh, that's only according to the Ramban that it's, uh, that it's going to change your nature. According to the Ramban, it's just that people's values will change. What you value now, everybody will value. So you won't feel like you're up against the tide of everyone fighting against you. The Ramban is saying it's that you won't have to feel that you're up against the tide within yourself you'll naturally be enjoying the good. But it's an enjoyment. It's not like, a, oh, this is so boring. Oh my God, the same thing again. No, it means that you're going to be enjoying it. You won't have to have what's holding you back from enjoying it more. That's it. So that was what we said before. That's one of the things that we don't know for sure, but this is one of the debates among the rabbis, that the Rambam says everything is going to be back, it's still going to be natural, so people still will die and be born. And then the soul goes to Olam Right, the soul goes, the soul goes. But from this world they'll die. According to the Rambam, everybody will be, live forever in this world. You won't have to leave to go to Olam So... You'll elevate it here. They'll stay. He says they'll stay. Yeah, they come back, but the question is, do they die again or they stay forever? So the Rambam, Rambam, like Maimonides, he says they're going to die again. They come back for a time and then they go, then they leave again. They go back to Olamaba. Ramban says they stay here forever. Right. Right, and then, then they're able to... Yeah. Right, so we'll just... Ele- the point is that according to the Ramban that you're going to live forever here, so that will happen here. You won't have to be in a spirit... Right, this is where you'll, this is where you'll live. Instead of there. That's, that's, that's our... But look, we don't really know for sure. And like, my, my sympathies are always with the Rambam because, uh, because he's the Rambam. But, and also it's just easier to for me to get my head around something which is which happens within the natural world order but the fact of the matter is we don't really know and uh, the main point is that it will be a world in which people are pursuing the right things and uh, devoted to the right things and the and the factors that hold us back won't be there whatever that means you know that's the main thing that that everyone agrees about. Hashem will continue next week